0: everybody welcome back this is uh episode 52 of the whistling in the dark podcast i am patrick bradley today is monday august 3rd 2020 and i am joined once again by dr adam Steele.
1: good to be here again
0: yes it's very good to have you uh this is our second go round today i've been having some pretty gnarly technical issues but i think that we have it worked out yeah great <laughs> looks yeah you look like you're you know you're showing up on uh on the readouts as am i so okay so moving on um so we just have a couple of topics i think we're gonna do hopefully a relatively short episode usually we stick to that with adam here it's only mm-hmm. me fine solo that gets a little hairy um I wanted to touch on—we uh, haven't talked about it. Well, I don't know that we've talked about it at all since you've been here, and mm-hmm. um, it's just the. Well, I don't want to say the economy, um, but more gold, silver, Bitcoin, and the dollar, or you know, crypto mm-hmm. in general has been has been kind of flying high lately. And just to say where we're at, Bitcoin is at eleven thousand four hundred. 5 Ethereum is broken over 400 and uh, we've got gold today close at 198163 and silver is 2443 both of them were pretty flat today um mm-hmm. yeah and then the dollar I can only assume um, has not been doing great lately. That's that's what I heard. But if all all of those things are are sort of going up, it's generally you know.
1: Um, oh well, no, Pat. That's what's funny about it. The dollar's strong as heck,
0: <laughs> and the Dow was up um, today mm-hmm. twenty six 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 four.
1: Uh, anyway, so. <sighs> What do you think about all that? So what's going on? So what's going on, (laughs) Mr. Uh, Mises? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, all right. Well, they
0: have, like, (sighs) printed – well, I don't want to say printed. That's a little – it's a little loose
1: injected
0: right yeah in by various means they they've got more you know they don't just have like the meme show the guy spinning that money printing wheel <laughs> yeah uh they have they have more methods than that <clears throat> but you know in general and and I think a lot of these um you know so let, let's just step back to 2008 right that i was this, that was sort of my first rodeo, right? Like I, I had been learning about this stuff for, uh, honestly, I don't know, but before that time, I don't remember when I started reading this, um, reading this type of stuff. And we had our faithful conversation. I feel like mm-hmm. I was in Raman's lab still, which would put okay. it pretty far back, 2004. But I I, I I, don't know, you know, I'm sure it was a very slow pickup on, on this stuff. And so by the time, I remember when the bailouts hit, Um, in 2008 that I felt it was the last straw. Like I had lost, I remember, I remember that as as clear as day. Like that was the moment that I lost like any shred of belief that, you know, in the federal government sort of acting in, in any sort of sensible way on the behalf, even of the country, like not, not, not like, you know, people, but that it's just for individuals in high places you know, just out for themselves. And they all, I believe they only care about the country to the extent that they are also in this country and it does matter, (laughs) you know? I mean, you know, they don't want it nuked with them sitting inside of it, but, you know, otherwise, um, I don't know that it's a big deal. But, so, in my mind, I mean, this was historic. Them, the money printing and blah, 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 you know... uh, and was you know just waiting for this just crushing inflation Yeah, you know, i had bitcoin i stood on the sidelines i didn't buy a house you know i didn't um not that i was in a position to buy a house in 2008 but you know really 2011
1: <laughs> a grad student salary right 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 right
0: like 2011 12 you know yeah. would have been the time but i like you know, and I was working at that time. So I, you know, it would have been more feasible, um, but I stayed on the sidelines because I just was expecting, you know, the, the solution was the problem. Like they just followed it up with more of the same, you know, they blew up this bubble and then it burst and they just immediately like just doubled down, you know, with more intensity. But lo and behold, it's 2020. And I'm not saying we haven't seen inflation, um, but nothing you know nothing like the the doomsdayers have
1: have been predicting so by the standard measures we haven't seen any people yeah. dispute those in various ways but I mean if you just take that top line number and it hasn't been so
0: yeah yeah and I don't think that you can judge you know off of certainly not Bitcoin I mean to uh, Bitcoin uh, from and uh, you know I am no financial expert but it does seem to be to some extent still kind of on its own trip (laughs) you know like
1: (laughs) it goes up and down for like way different reasons and other things too yeah
0: Yeah. um you know that being said you could you you know this could be this could be a good time um you know there there's some very long patterns that are playing out with bitcoin and if they play out for like the third time um, but, you know, every pattern yeah. eventually breaks, right? I mean, you don't have the same thing over and over and over. So there's just because it's done it twice. But, you know, they're, they're starting to come up in this next, you know, we ooh, ooh, this would be, you know, to a new all-time high of, of some sort, followed by, mm-hmm. you know, another crash, but not quite as low. Any Anyway, it's a, it's a pretty – some of the charts I've seen are pretty striking. So I don't necessarily think that Bitcoin is the um, – canary in the coal mine or whatever for uh the dollar um but gold finally hits a new all-time high because gold went very high during that um you know during Mm. that post 2008 um period and then lost a lot of its value but now it you know it's it's at all time at least nominally in dollars so i mean (sighs) What's happening? I, you know, I think that they, I don't know, more than doubled down this time. And, you know, my fear is I just don't know how much the dollar can take. Uh, I mean, I know you hear a lot that it's really all about being the reserve currency. And if we lose that, then, um, you know, we could see a pretty precipitous decline Uh, But honestly, like, I think if anything I've learned over the last, you know, 10 plus years is that I really don't know what's going to happen. Um, We know in a general sense the dollar is going to devalue, but is it going to devalue, you know, in a steady way that we've seen since, you know, the beginning of the Fed or, you know, are we going to finally hit this, you know, inflation, like hyperinflation? I don't know. I mean, you know, there's. The stagflation, I guess, specter, but to a large extent, you know, the unemployment is caused by the the lockdowns. You know, I'm not sure that it was yeah. like stagflation, like what we were dealing with before. So, I mean, we have record
1: low unemployment going into this.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't have like a really um, strong, I feel like this kind of happens as you, I don't know, to some extent as you get older, you just like, I don't know, man, you just start putting one foot in front of the other and <laughs> just trying to keep yourself, you know, sort of moving. And uh, certainly, you know, my personal uh, assets are moving into the areas that I feel are more secure and less hinging on the dollar remaining strong but you know i don't feel so strongly about it that i'm even going to my family and saying oh you got to do this you got to do this you know but yeah interested in 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 your take on
1: on where we're at right now so before the before the uh before 2009 before 2008 the fed's balance sheet was something like just under a trillion dollars so <laughs> and then they expanded that like by the end of 2010 to 2.8 trillion so you got about a factor of 3 there Ooh, we at and eight, then nine dis- now well hold on hold on oh. so and then despite the fact that like the economy was growing like that whole time from like 2012 to 2020, say the start of that, it's continued to expand to about $4 trillion. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, there are places where it went down a little bit, but basically, it seems to me that it just, it, the overall trend is up, up, up. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we were sitting at about $4 trillion at the start of 2020. Now, we are at seven. Okay? In the course of just a half a year. Now, so... They're pumping a lot of money into the economy. So, if you wonder, like, you know, how asset prices could stay so high, this is probably a very big part of it. And that's, like, intended. That's what they want to do. Um,
0: yes. And they're buying right. now, different things now also, right? I mean, that's another kind of horseman in the apocalypse of the dollar is is the Fed is is ever changing and opening up, I feel like, what they actually will buy. Right.
1: Yeah, they're buying corporate bonds at this point. So, whereas previously they would buy like all entirely treasuries mm-hmm. and they wouldn't even buy them directly from the federal government. And there's like a whole rigmarole here, like why that's uh, good and why that's bad. But like I will table that discussion. Uh, but yeah, the point is that they're buying like a larger class of assets now mm-hmm. and basically just looking for different ways to put money into the economy. Um, because as much as our federal government is spending, like, it didn't spend $3 trillion in just a couple of months. Like yeah. it, Even it has, has its limits for how fast it can print those checks. Um, and so if they wanted to put money into the economy, they needed to find other ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably part of it. And so that's that's the one thing. So there's a huge amount of money being put in. Now, uh, in fairness to them, it has gone down a little bit. It was peaked on May 25th and has come down... Uh, a hundred billion dollars since then, so you know maybe everything will turn around and this will jump back down. But it seems like the slope is up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm. You know what are they? Uh, I mean, how, the, if, if any weakness, you know, any perceived weakness, they're going to respond to. Um, yes, and they do seem to be hitting it harder than in the past i mean and that that's what you see you know it's like every um just what you need to blow to keep you know inflating this this bubble it just mm-hmm. you need more and more air you know more more uh more pressure um right. you know it's like the leak and then there you know it's like oh there's a leak so now you have to pump in as much as the leak and now the leak's a hole and now you know it's just like eventually it's just going to be a a rubber flapping tube that's just <laughs> air is just f- flying through you know um and and then then there's no more uh you know something else is gonna happen after the dollar
1: you sink and, you sink then
0: yeah and and uh you know this is something like i you know i don't want to be uh around for that <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think that what is going you know I don't have well you know as usual I have no no optimism and and so I don't believe that let's say the dollar loses its status as the, as the uh you know um the uh, reserve currency of the world I don't think it gets replaced by gold it gets replaced by some crazy world bank currency um it, and there they have there's it. nowhere else the to go there's yeah.
1: nowhere else to go Pat like it's saying like the, what are you gonna go to the euro well yeah. you know their central bank you know there was no um, there's been a push for a while from France and especially of course from the the relatively poor countries in the European South to have these like euro bonds basically debt taken out by like the eurozone that they could use to give money to countries like Italy or Greece and whatnot and Germany fought back against that for a long time, but I believe if I read the headline right, a few weeks ago they're going to start issuing those, and so mm-hmm. that presents a tremendous opportunity for the European Central Bank to basically funnel money into their system. So the euro is not—it's going to be subject to the same pressures we are, uh, more so uh, if you believe they would do anything they needed to to keep uh, the eurozone pe- people from other people from leaving the eurozone. So. You know, and, and in China, you don't have any good numbers coming out of there, but there's great reason to believe their central bank has been funneling money into their uh, real estate sector, which has been like a complete malinvestment disaster for decades. So yes. it's yeah. like, as usual, like you can complain all you want about the U.S., but like there almost is no alternative.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know where you would go. Uh I think uh, Gaddafi was. uh, I heard rumors that he was trying to go to like a gold-backed currency or something. So you know, maybe he was the last hope. I I mean, there's literally nowhere. I don't. I don't know anywhere that doesn't use this sort of central bank scheme. That isn't just. I don't know, like basically some you
1: know tribal nation or something. Mm -hmm. Um yeah I... I mean, yeah, it's just it's just that's what the the consensus view is among people who are like in this is that this is the best way to do things because you can prevent you can smooth out the economy, the business cycle better by doing things like this. Um, we'll see, I guess. I don't know that it's been enough years uh, to say whether or not that ends in disaster or not. I mean, the timescales we're operating on here are pretty short compared with how long they were on like, uh, you know, uh, gold or silver-backed currency, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, true. Um, wasn't the original reasoning um, for bringing in the Fed or just kind of like for this sort of Keynesian uh, approach that the worker is not going to accept a lower number on their paycheck every week and if the currency keeps increasing, then you're just continually giving them uh, increasing in value. Then basically, you're continually giving them a raise, um, and so this allows you know theoretically to sort of. I mean, I think the idea was to keep it just flat in value, you know, so you didn't have to. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Um, and that's the basic. Yeah, I know what reasoning. you're talking about. <laughs> I, I, I well, that I'm that not was, familiar like, the with the. Hi-
1: Mm -hmm. I don't know. It could be. I'm not familiar with like the history there. I I mean, I do know that economists like widely agree that like wages are sticky, meaning like prices for goods go up and they go down depending on supply, demand and the cost of the raw materials. No Mm -hmm. problem. But wages have a tendency to hold where they are. And really, someone's wages only get cut from wherever they are now to zero. They get fired. (laughs) (laughs) They don't just they don't float down for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, that's just like that is a true observation that has been the case for uh, as long as they've been looking at this stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and while that may be true and it may be difficult uh, to pay your employee a lower number, um, I do not think it's necessarily impossible. And I don't think that it is enough to justify what they did, which I'm sure. You also agree, um, not to put words. <laughs> sure. I don't feel like I'm going too far out on a limb there. But I, I, last time I checked, I don't think you were a big fan of uh, the Federal Reserve.
1: No, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not as against it after 2008, just because like I made, I thought specific predictions were made. Like you can't put this amount of money and not see a large amount of inflation. Well, that's wrong. <laughs> it's just it's just wrong. So whatever is going on here, it's more complex than that. Right, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I agree. Um, to well, to some extent, I agree. I mean, I that's, you know, obviously what I was saying in the beginning. Like, yeah. you know, I had seen all the doomsday stuff and I was sort of, you know, my first first time really seeing this. Um but I'm not so sure. I, I, uh, I, I mean, I, we've seen inflation, and and you know, I mean, look at thing. I mean, the the problem with redefining it is really troublesome, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you went and picked the, you know, a metric that they used, I don't know, in the '70s, the same metric now, uh, we we would have had significant inflation you know um but now you would you had big deflation you know I mean price deflation in real estate for a little while uh, and then it mm-hmm. came all the way back up and now it's right you know well past um so yeah I um that might be something maybe for another show be kind of interesting okay. to kind of look around at the different. different metrics and see at least could we agree like could we at least feel like hey i think this is roughly what the inflation has been over the years find a metric that seems solid and uh and then kind of circle back and say okay so so where did it all go um one thing i'd say is you know uh let me see if i can say this in a succinct way so a lot of the money doesn't hit, like, the streets, right? Like, a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. they buy, it, it's sort of all kind of behind the scenes. It's almost like it allows things to kind of remain the price they were. So, I, I, I wonder if there's just, like, a massive deflation that hasn't occurred yet. That I mean, you know, Peter Schiff will go all the way back and say, "Look, I mean, at, the, at this point, he feels like you still got the dot com bubble wrapped up in this. Like that never came completely, was allowed to unwind, and then that mm-hmm. rolled in the two thousand eight, and then that's rolling into now. And you know, with every, you know, every new kind of inflationary period, and I, I mean that from." Um, well, I, I mean, it's inflation in, in the Austrian sense. Like they're increasing yeah. the money supply. I don't that's mean right. Price inflation. So, right, right. That's fine. You know, with all these big sort of inflationary uh, time periods, I mean, maybe that's, that's the thing is that it's like we're used to these super inflated prices. And with every, um, you know, with every, uh, uh, new kind of like boom bust cycle where they don't allow the deflation to hit the prices, it becomes something like an order of magnitude, more like inflationary pressure to keep it up. Um, so I still, anyway, totally like hypothetical, just throwing it out there, but I feel like they're in my mind, like that is a possible explanation. Like I wouldn't jump to say it's incorrect. Like I still think it could be looming, um, but at the same time, I would not be, you know, overwhelmingly surprised if we didn't see hyperinflation in the next ten years, despite all of this that you know that we've seen. So, you know, I, I, I'm certainly not uh, not
1: convinced either way. I bet against it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just based on history, I'd bet against it. And these, you know, it's like, I'm not going to go into a debate with like Peter Schiff or anything like that. I'm sure right. he has lots of like factoids to throw <laughs> right, out. Right, right. But what I can tell you is that we've got 7 trillion more dollars than we did 12 years ago. And the price of, you know, OJ has not changed that much. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. And that, uh, you know, that can money stay in, like, localized areas? I don't know. Um, I mean, you saw intense price inflation in real estate, you know, versus mm-hmm. nothing else. Um, and there are reasons for that. So, you know, um, preventing the sort of price deflation, I think, could also happen in local sense. And but if pos- it was...
1: If it was staying, but so you're, so he's saying it's getting trapped, but if it was getting trapped, say in like stocks, then you'd see like huge increases in like the price to earnings ratio. And I know that like they are a bit higher right now than they used to be, but they're not ridiculously higher than they used to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So, and and so that's what I'm saying. So like if it was staying in like equities or something like that, not getting out, then, you know, the price of equities would, would go higher, but the price of like the goods and stuff wouldn't be going higher. so, you know, you know what I'm saying? Right. Right.
0: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, uh, this is not something that I've I've very well worked out, but I mean, apparently neither of us have (laughs) become experts in this area
1: so far, but, um, Another, I just know another, I'm not buying gold. I can tell you that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's it's a great hedge.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, it was. I'd rather in 2008. Own pieces of companies. You yeah. know, it was in 2008. You just needed to, mm-hmm. you know, get out at some point. I mean, that's that's the problem. You know, um, right. You. Uh,
1: but how can you know what's the right time? Because but also, know, if you miss that huge upswing in equities, then you're leaving money on the table too. So.
0: Right, but you know.
1: Same with everything right I mean there's yeah, it's all
0: timing for sure, but um yeah, and i I mean, you go back just like a few years before two thousand eight, you know, like compare buying real estate versus buying gold, mm-hmm. you know, gold like quadrupled over that time, you buy two hundred thousand dollar house, was it eight hundred thousand dollars by yeah. two thousand nine two thousand ten? you know was the stock market did it go i i don't know the stock market might have quadrupled i don't know <laughs> uh but you know i mean it's all it's all time it's like the bitcoin or you know bitcoin people and and you know i'm a, i i'm see i don't I'm think in it is and all time
1: i would dis- this is where i would disagree mm. with you so like because you can't call when the top and the bottom are you put your money where it has like the best average long-term returns and that's like us equities so you know, I'll put that portfolio up against like a gold portfolio any day over decades and I would win.
0: <laughs> hmm. I don't know about that. I, I need I okay. would need to see those. Oh, we, that'll be that'll be our, our next uh I'm not I'm not saying you're definitely wrong. Like I, I've yeah. thought about this, but like to me the risk like gold doesn't, gold is just like safer. Like I think that's really the argument. It's not like this highly performing asset. It's like if the bottom falls out, you it's still there, you know? Like it's Well, got then you should value. just
1: put a certain fraction in gold then. And you put most yeah. of it in equities and you're cushioned then if that's what you really think.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't think, I mean, I don't even think Peter Siff is saying, you know, buy mm-hmm. only gold. He's, it, it's also becomes like, you need to learn more to go outside of gold. gold is like the simple thing you know mm-hmm. it's like it's just gold, silver, whatever um yeah. but you go outside and now you have to pick a company well now now <laughs> you gotta you know you gotta do more thinking and uh it's a little bit more you know more difficult that's the other thing I always saw i mean to me that's like the big trick i mean that that's like the big the big evil of the federal Reserve is it forces people to have to learn how to like speculate and stuff. Whereas if they were getting paid in gold and silver, well, they could just hold on to their, they could just save their money and focus on doing their job, you know, and living their life. And like, but now you've got to like, it's like you've got to put your 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 savings into some sort of investment thing that goes into the stock market that, you know, Maybe it'll be okay the next 10 years, but who knows? Like, you know,
1: um, that part you're correct on. Yes, that's exactly right. It's, it's if, if, if there's going to be consistent inflation all the time that they're going to build into the system, even if everything's running smoothly a few percent, then yes, if you don't want to lose that money, you need to put it in something that's, you know, earning more than that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, and just to think, because we're we're talking way more. Well, I think we didn't expect to have like a disagreement. So that's kind of (laughs) cool. I feel like we don't have them that much. (laughs) Uh, There you go. Yeah. So another thing, though, is like, okay, so are the cycles happening faster? I mean, 2008 Mm -hmm. and now by – so what did you say? One trillion in 2008 and now we're at seven? So yeah, it, it, it so in it, it 2024 it hopped are we hopped up when everything <laughs> crashed. Yeah, <laughs> 2024 we have 49 million. You know what I mean? Like, and that's and that's right. saying that it's just expanding at the same rate. I don't mm-hmm. think that is the truth either. I think it's expanding at an a, an expanding rate. Like, it's accelerating in its expansion. Uh, it's like we're at the period of inflation after the Big Bang. You know, we're, we're at like, <laughs> faster than light money printing. So, like, <laughs> I I really don't know. Um, I actually wrote an article about this to no acclaim whatsoever, but uh, about the fundamental problem with this. Um, and maybe I'll bring that to the table. But it was based off of uh, some stuff ha- Haik had written and um, the it basically comes down to the we'll we'll just we'll say the positive effects that affla- inflation has on an economy, like the um, you know the boom sort of part of it, right? Like the Roaring Twenties when they were doubled the money supply. That only happens that 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 does not occur if you just lock inflation at exactly two percent and you're able to control it it will not cause a boom-bust cycle.
1: Mm.
0: This, is, this mm-hmm. is what, you know, Haig hey, won the Nobel Prize for this. It okay. has to be an un, unexpected. So, because That's what right. you have to do is you have to- Otherwise trick, they
1: build in the inflate, yeah, right. yeah. You have
0: to trick the business owners into thinking right. that their businesses are doing better, uh, exactly. not that there's just more dollars that are worth less. So- right. Uh, anyway, I just wrote like some sort of argument out over a couple pages about how this is always going to end in disaster because you've got to keep, you've got to keep increasing the the expansion. You know, I mean, what they're trying to do mm-hmm. is, I think what they're trying to say is like, okay, we can expand it, you know, by two and then contract by two and expand by two and contract and you know, and it won't. But they don't. They're not actually doing that. You know, where was the contraction uh, between, you know, 08 and, and 2020? Nowhere, right? They're not doing it yeah. because now contraction is just slower expansion. It The, it, the bar just continually moves and mm-hmm. there's no, I mean, you know, anyway, you get it. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Well, yeah, maybe we'll uh this this feels like kind of a nice you know, we dipped our toes in. Uh <laughs> Adam's not a gold bug. That's big news. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Um, I'm not surprised that you're more diverse than that, but I mean you don't yeah, just you not, don't not convinced you're, yet. <laughs> you don't touch any like anything, gold stocks, nothing, none even a piece I, of silver.
1: Yeah. I, I had some, I had some uh, platinum and uh, palladium stuff at some point. Okay, uh, just because th- that's mostly for like the use of those things because there might have been a shortage. But since then, now not really anything anymore. Just not that interested in it. I've, if I'm going to hold something, I'll hold cash or I'll have equities. That's the uh, there's an ideal mix there. <laughs> okay, um, I still do have some cash, by the way. Just
0: you know, mm-hmm. I'm not a complete psychopath. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good, good. So, anyway, um, but enough about my personal finances. So, the uh, <laughs> Pat, what is your bank account number? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, I wanted to get back to the COVID nineteen news as it is. It's tearing up. The uh, Twitter feeds and the CNNs and MSNBC front pages all across the internet, um, and so I think we talked about last week about the cases kind of kind of uh, cresting, and you know I think to be fair, since I poo pooed just talking about the cases on their face. At first, I should also slow my mm-hmm. roll a bit for pointing out to say, hey, they're going down now. Like, all of a sudden, that number is important yeah. <laughs> to me. Um, That's right. But, what I mean, it's kind of like it, because the deaths followed it, it does sort yeah. of show more of the yeah. legitimacy of it. It wasn't just, oh, we've done more testing. It's like, no, like more people people died so you know apparently there was a second wave um and so that second wave is subsiding and Mm -hmm. because and so i don't know what they're going to do once the deaths subside i wonder what they're going to do because right because remember we were like oh they never talk about deaths they never talk about deaths now all they talk about is deaths (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. because now the cases are
1: going down um you know it it's unreal. But the deaths are going to be going down very soon too. So the the earlier, the bigger of the or the earlier of the new wave states like Arizona, the deaths are already starting to go down. So yeah, like it's, I, it's going to be exactly what I said. So if you just listen to this podcast, like you're mm-hmm. going to be pretty well informed. The key is like there has never been a worse time to be like a, a medium news consumer because you are going to get it a hundred and a hundred percent wrong. Yeah, <laughs> misinformation like wall to wall. Everything they tell you is almost the opposite of reality. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, today, or maybe this was yesterday, today in Florida is the lowest daily death count since July 13th. So mm-hmm. that's okay, you know, that's pretty good. That's that's you know, it's nearly three weeks. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's really. I Mon- think it's three weeks. Yeah, I think it's three weeks actually.
1: Mondays can be kind of slow, so yeah. like I wouldn't, I wouldn't count it yet. I yeah. wait until like Wednesday because some sometimes they come in in waves like midweek. Yeah. Because I always remember when you see these numbers, uh, the deaths that are reported for a day are not people who died on that day. That's the day they were recorded, and mm. they typically died over some period. Uh, when they're doing it, honestly, you know, maybe five or six days, uh-huh. sometimes from months earlier.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. The re- so I just, was just saying that ahead. since it's the lowest, it's, yes. since it's a Monday, this is the lowest since a Monday three weeks ago. That's true. So That's you true. haven't okay. really, it's following the pattern. The deaths seem to follow the pattern. It Actually, the cases seem, all, they don't sort of have the pattern, but not quite the weekly I don't know if uh, maybe they're they're recorded differently than the deaths?
1: Yes, they are. Because the, the, the deaths are done by, like, coroner's offices and things like that, I believe. Mm-hmm. The cases, there's usually, like, feeds from – it depends on the state. Uh, sometimes it's, like, the state compiling it and putting it all together. And sometimes you have different organizations all submitting differently. And this was actually a problem, I think, in Georgia, too, where – certain private entities that were submitting test results were not submitting their negatives. And so it was inflating the positivity rate because the tests that were negative were never getting recorded as having occurred.
0: Oh, okay. Georgia looks like it's, um, it just made me think, I should go check my own state that I'm in.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: we seem to be okay. I mean, we we have uh, the last couple of weeks, we've had that's up, but... It's it's hard. Like our death counts are just so low that the patterns. I mean, it clearly like the last two weeks they're up, but they're this is kind of what they look like the whole time. Uh, I don't know. We never really. I would say that.
1: Yeah, the more important thing for Georgia is that the cases have completely rolled over, despite testing continuing to go up and the positivity rate is dropping. So yeah. I'd say that you're you're past the peak of your outbreak and that you'll, you'll see some increased deaths. Um, let's see, what is today's? It's, it's so it's, it's about a two-week lag for the second set mm-hmm. of states. So 725 plus 14 days. So about mm-hmm. another week, uh, to a week to eight days, something like that, I expect Georgia's peak death, uh, seven-day averaging, to occur. And once you're past that, I think you're going to be out of the woods, mm-hmm. maybe okay. for good.
0: i haven't i've never looked at this the whole world we're actually having a a bit of increase in in that world world of meters they actually do have a uh one plot of deaths um for okay. the whole world and i we but it's been slowly on the on the rise like the daily mm-hmm. moving average um all i mean since let's see the peak for the whole world was april 20th so four twenty Hitler's birthday. Um, nope. Sorry. The 18th. Sorry. Sorry, all, all the Nazi listeners. And then <laughs> <laughs> it came down to May 26th is when we hit the low. Uh, and we've been kind of slowly climbing up. Slowly climbing up. So
1: we'll see. Mm-hmm. That's the whole world. Interesting. So the pr- th- you can't look at that world stuff too carefully because – the testing is so low in some places that like even COVID deaths aren't being very well recorded. So, you know, if you look at places like particularly like Brazil, it's like people want to compare things like Brazil to Chile and say like, Oh, Chile had this really strong lockdown and they look only as good as Brazil. But at the same time, like in Brazil, they were like not doing very many tests for a very long time. And so basically any, almost everywhere except for like United States and Europe, it, the data is just terrible yeah and 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 looking at it can tell you very little
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i could i could believe that um i mean (laughs) i remember with with china i mean it just all of a sudden stopped it was just like they cured it or something (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) it was very strange (laughs) so Spain's had, I
0: mean, I would put this at more than two weeks of increase in cases. And they've had, like, no increase in deaths. Interesting. I don't know what's happening over
1: in in Europe. I'm just kind of peeking around. It is a bit odd. Uh, I do find it odd that Spain has an increase of cases at all. But I'd have to see, uh, let's see, what does their testing look like?
0: Oh, because a, they it, had such a an initial because, wave
1: right so that goes against what I've been telling you so what I've been saying is that the places that had a very strong first wave wouldn't see a second and for all the U.S. states that I've looked at that's held so far and there are one or two states that I would classify as like had a middle first wave like Maryland and Indiana that mm-hmm. it seemed to have like a small second that have a, a second one as well right. um, so the fact that Spain has some increased cases is a little bit surprising to me Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll be very interested to see if they actually have any deaths. Um, although their death data is all, all crazy and messed up. Um, now you can't, you can't look at like the absolute number because the number of tests and since they were very early on as well, they had so few. Mm-hmm. So like whatever you do, when you look at these charts of cases, don't just compare like the peak four months ago to the peak now and be like, we're in the same position. Like that is definitely not the case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So um what I've been thinking about I I hung out with some people recently and um well and you know I was up north and traveling around a bit and just I I'm going to bring this up as a topic and it is literally the last thing I want to talk about I am so <laughs> bored by it I've heard so much, and I've I there's not been one microsecond of conversation in my life in the last few weeks about another person's opinion about masks that I have been interested in, but yet I've been subjected to it for, I don't oh, yes. know how many hours upon hours I've sat in my life in this last few weeks and heard people talking about why... You know, oh, I went to the store and this person didn't have a mask on or this person did have a mask on and they were, you know, it's like, both. it just depends on, you know, whether you, you know, are for or against Trump, I guess. And somehow that determines... what pisses you off whether or not i have a mask on so like i'm get somebody's going to be mad at me um, It's very stupid pick my team um so we i've been looking a little bit I- into this and I, I what i've been wondering is you know what I- it, what if any um sciences are really about the efficacy of a mask preventing the spread you know regular surgical mm-hmm. masks preventing the spread of covid-19 and i sent you one article um that wasn't or not, I'm sorry, one, one paper, um, you know, that was, that was pretty bad, but I wasn't really sure if that was, um, one that gets referenced much. There was also another one that seemed to claim that the masks weren't very effective, but then they mm-hmm. were asked to retract that. Yep. Um, so there's that. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. So would be interested in, that- in what you think about this.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, the whole thing has become politicized. So that's, and it's like almost a separate conversation. So let's just go into like what the science has to say at first. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say the state of it, state of it is not very good. I mean, considering we have countries like Japan that wear masks basically every cold and flu season, and we still don't have like a firm grip on whether how efficacious these things are for those sorts of like, uh, endemic diseases that are just everywhere. It's pretty sad state Mm -hmm. of the science. Yeah. Um, so, so that's like a failing to begin with. Um, and then it's a failing uh, for certain people saying like, oh, it's completely settled one way or the other. Because the reality is, and this is not hard to understand, it's very difficult to get good data on this. It's not like you have a group of people and you tell, and well, they should, but it's not like they have data on like controlled groups of people that go out with or without masks and see whether they catch it. Like that would actually make some degree of sense, but there's no papers that look anything like that. So the best we can do is look at trends and mask policies and see how they correlate, or do case studies. Um, so the paper you sent me is uh, in the first category where they look at and this. It, this paper is heinous, despite the fact that it has like a legit Nobel Prize winner as like the final <laughs> author on it. He yeah. has nothing to do with epidemiology, of course. He has to do with the the ozone hole. I'll say so something I, I about.
0: Re- I've had some personal experience with Nobel Prize winners. So, I my first job, uh, our it was a pretty small, you know, it was a small company, and I was brought on to work on some looking into the some of their data and do some mm-hmm. theory type stuff, and their main paper was one of the people that worked with them was a Nobel Prize winner in chemistry. He's actually pretty famous. He's He's, he's been like a character on The Simpsons and stuff or whatever. Anyway, okay. fast forward sometime <laughs> later. I left after a little while because I just didn't – it's just I didn't understand. They had 10 years of data. It just seemed really odd. Like there wasn't – I couldn't figure out like what – like, where's the experimental plan here? Like, what's going on? We just seem to be taking on all this money from all of these very wealthy people, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So then I find, then I Google them later after I'm back in Georgia and they're getting sued for fraud. <laughs> uh, so yes. yeah, you can definitely put a Nobel Prize winner. You can somehow convince those people to besmirch their name, I guess. I, unless they, some, I don't, you know, the whole point is, right? If you're a Nobel Prize winner, they shouldn't be able to dupe him uh right. but he should be you know but anyway I, I don't know what happened but it it is funny i i uh that
1: really sullied the nobel prize to me <laughs> after that. yes uh, so so yeah i mean i i never claim like you have to believe this because there is one but i mean it is a mark of status if nothing else oh, or, yeah, and you would sure. think such a person would be jealously guarding their reputation and not want to sign on to something that has shoddy methodology and yet uh yes. here we are yeah <laughs> So the paper that you sent is in PNAS. We'll put it, the link in the, the show notes, I'm sure. Yes. It's basically the paper consists of an unsupported assertion with a vague methodology attached to it. Uh, so here's a, quote, here's a quote from the paper. With social distancing, quarantine, and isolation in place worldwide and in the United States since the beginning of April, airborne transmission represents the only viable route for spreading the disease. When mandated face cover is not implemented – Similarly, airborne transmission also contributes dominantly to the linear increase in the infection prior to the onset of mandated face covering in Italy and in New York City. So that's just crazy, uh, first of all. The idea that in these few places where you have a lockdown that affects like some portion, but certainly not all. I think that like even the places that were pretty hard locked down, something like 30% of people still had to go to work because they worked in supermarkets, power, sewer, all this stuff that you need to keep the world running. UPS, like everyone that works at Amazon was still working. Tesla was still working. So, yeah. you know, the idea that in when we're in that state Airborne transmission is the only thing that can transmit it is, is so obviously wrong that, like, yeah. it throws, you know, it it's primes your brain for fraud incoming, you know? Right, right. Uh, and they don't even have any references for this statement. It's just stated yeah. like that. Um, And then here's what they do. Pat, you're going to love this. Okay, so, right. so the normal infection curve, you know, it's going to have, like— a shallow part at the beginning, and then it kind of ramps up. It kind of looks like a, you know, kind of like a Gaussian increasing at first, where it goes up very sharply, then it turns over, Mm -hmm. and then it goes down more slowly than it went up. That's Mm -hmm. like the kind of curve with like a longer tail, but a sharp rise kind of Gaussian. All they do in this paper is fit a line to an arbitrarily selected section of the up curve. (laughs) Then they project that line forward after it rolls over, for some length of time that they don't define and they don't say how they do the calculation, I led the whole paper and the supplemental notes, and then they extract a number, which in the case of the United States or in the case of New York City is 60,000 that they say masks are responsible for. They don't quantify like the time delta between like the policy being put in place and when they diverge from this line, which is actually different for Italy and New York City in the paper. Uh, they don't try to like give any numbers for like what the level of compliance was over time for these places. And they don't even compare places like uh, like New York City where maybe the compliance is good. I know it is it is fairly good now with a place Mm -hmm. like the UK where they never had good mask compliance. So like there's a paper here about masks, but this ain't it. Right. (laughs) Do not read this paper. Do not reference this paper. It's almost like I'm going going to tell you not to put the link in. Right, right. It's it is just terrible. Now, well, I the think only
0: it's, thing is, go ahead. I, I was just to say I I do think it's good for people that aren't in the scientific community. I mean, I don't know if I could consider my I, once or or at one time in their <laughs> life were in the scientific community to yeah. see like that. I don't think in the public they hear people talk like this and this isn't outrageous, right? I mean, there's papers published all the time that, that, you know, people think is BS or, 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 yes. or wrong, incorrect. Like it, it's fine. Yeah. Like just because you publish a paper, that's not like, okay. And now the question is closed.
1: Like, <laughs> right. So like, if you hear like, Oh, this paper was peer reviewed, like mm-hmm. that is a thing. And it's Better than nothing, but it is no guarantee of quality by any stretch. In fact, the likelihood of that being any guarantee of quality goes down probably sharply once you have a Nobel Prize winner like as your final offer. Because no one's going to check it. They're just going to sign off on
0: it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think about the stuff that I published and how... (laughs) I don't know. I I, I just, I'm not sure how even critically it was all looked over. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, I've thought about that. I've even, like, questioned some of my own things that I'd done after. And, like, huh is that definitely okay? Like, uh, like I feel like yeah. I should have had more sort of, especially now, like the way I program versus how I
1: programmed then. And, uh, you know, it's like, <laughs> geez, Louise. Anyway. that's um, a, No, that's a good example because that's where they found a lot of errors in big papers too, is like, the code historically was never even published, and so no one checked it. And they still yep. don't usually check unless there's some controversy associated with it. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of errors that get—like, if you have good data and you have good analysis, like, if your code is wrong, the conclusions will be wrong. Yeah. And most of these people aren't—they're not programmers by trade. I mean, we discussed this when we in the very beginning when we were talking about the Imperial College modeling, mm-hmm. and they had this— you know, hundreds of parameters thing with like no no comments. It was like yes. a single file that was <laughs> thousands of lines. So, you know, yes. that's standard operating procedure in the sciences.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody I and I I was even somebody that was trained to some extent at in my undergraduate. We actually had computational physics classes. So mm-hmm. I mean, at least they had somebody, you know, teaching. Yeah. I mean, they weren't teaching us computer science techniques, but I, you know, we didn't talk much about you know uh, clean code or anything like that. But uh, yeah. I mean, I I think I had it better than most people uh, in in the sciences, and, and it wasn't <laughs> very and it wasn't very good. You know, I learned right. so much more. You know, after and and it's fine, right? I mean, there's only so many hours in a day, right? You got to learn. I mean, you can't be a physicist and a computer scientist like. At the same time, I mean, you can dabble and 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 try mm-hmm. to be you know do better, but you're never going to be at the level of somebody that that is their sole focus. so, um, right. assuming sort of similar talents or whatever. but um, anyway, Carry on. So that was, was really great. so that was really bad. That's all I'll yeah. say about that. Is
1: it's like it's an example of something that's just like really bad that's put out there. And the reason you found this is because there was a big press release about it for Texas A and M. So they're touting this paper as something that shows something that they the general public should consume and take the little tidbits out of how many infections. Now sixty six thousand is uh, they had. New York City had, like, 240,000 confirmed infections. And I won't get into the details of, like, what is the difference here because they used all confirmed numbers in this, and there are issues there as well, but we'll just skip over them for now. But the point, the only bottom line is that they put out for public consumption a very, very bad paper. And people are going to, like, throw this out on Facebook, on Twitter, what have you, as evidence that masks work. Uh, But it doesn't bear like even the lightest scrutiny and it all falls apart like a house of cards.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I found it pretty high up, you know, I mean, this was, I just started looking around. It's like one of the first, I think it may have been the first actual paper or article referencing a paper Mm -hmm. that I came across. And that was sort of what I was looking for. I, uh, a lot of times, I mean, I think, I don't know if you remember, but I used to really like. Um, the analysis of the headlines and the uh, the Mm -hmm. initial summary or the first couple sentences because i was like this is this is what people are seeing there you know how what percentage of readers are getting past the headline that they're seeing in their feed almost none Mm -hmm. but they're seeing the headline so the headline is you know that's probably worth you know more than the entire rest of the of, of the article, and then um, and so you know, similar to this, like I, I, it was important to me to kind of just go on what I found first, like what bubbles right. to the surface, and this
1: this did, right, and it's garbage. But now, say to balance the scales, I would say mm-hmm. that like it it is logical that masks would prevent infection to some extent. Mm-hmm. We wear them in hospitals and all of this stuff. And there is some good science out there supporting their use. The the, only, the one that I remember seeing was they looked at uh, a very big uh, spread of infection on one of these aircraft carriers where a huge fraction of the people on board got uh, uh, got it. Uh, but not everyone did and they ask them to self-report what measures they had taken while the outbreak was going on. And the strongest measure from hand-washing to maintaining distance, which is very hard to do on a boat at all, but Mm -hmm. washing hands or or wearing masks and stuff like that, the masks was the strongest single thing Mm. that predicted that they would avoid infection. Um, So, so there is some evidence out there. And of course, like there's a logical case to be made. And then on the um, politics side, that's really for COVID-19? people to decide. But. Was that COVID-19? Yes. Oh, okay, sorry, I missed that yeah. part. Uh-huh. No, yeah, it, w- it was. It was for this particular right. infection on one of the big aircraft carriers where a lot of people got it. Hmm. Um, it's interesting because they mainly
0: so, argue that it's to protect other people from you. It, um, but this that's right.
1: data shows that possibly to protect yourself. That's right. But the other one is even harder to show. Right. Uh, Than yeah, this is how, and that, that's part of it. the thing is like this is an extremely difficult thing to to get quantitative data on, and that's why it's so fertile ground for people to yell at each other and be super angry, and for one group of people to say you know masks are for wimps, and the other one to say <laughs> you're killing grandma.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, I really really don't like it. Um,
1: and for me for <laughs> me I'm just gonna say like it seems to me not that hard to do, yeah. and they might work. So like, you know what? If your government is going to force you to do like any of a number of things, like turn over twenty percent of your income, <laughs> right. or try to take your guns, or wear a mask for a few months, like I don't know. I'm just yeah, saying yeah. I would trade lower taxes if they, if I got to uh, if I had to wear a mask. <laughs> right. So yeah, I can compare. I can compare these two things. Like if you gave me as little as like, you know. $200, I would wear the mask for a month easy, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean,
0: that, yeah, that's, a, that's exactly what I'm saying about being just like, I feel like my brain is just like melting and leaking out of my head listening to people talk about about this in any way except for what you know you just did refer yeah. you know or you know us looking at a paper just saying like, yeah. okay does it make any sense at all and yeah and even the initial like lockdown orders um, yeah you know, I mean and I, I said it on on this podcast like yeah, yeah okay uh, I mean you know I'm a voluntarist I don't really want the government to exist. Basically at all, I don't want any special privileged people and people should be able to make their own decisions. But when they're saying something that aligns with, at that time, what I was doing by myself, you know? I was trying to work from home before that. I I was, you know, saying like, why don't we just go home? Like, why do I, you know? So it was hard to get too crazy again, because it's like, yeah, compared to, hey, you know, wear a mask. If you wear a mask, you know, we'll stop feeding the Saudis intelligence to, and, and, and arms to murder <laughs> all the people in Yemen and kill yeah. all these kids and stuff, starve them to death. You know, I'll be like, all right, I put the mask on. Like, it's just not
1: – not it's not in my top ten and, <laughs> and that's what I always say. You just – just, it's – the people's discussions go off the rails when they view things like in complete isolation. Like, compare this thing which you say is good or bad to the other things. And it will become much clearer, like the extent to which you really think it is good or bad. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, then at the same time, it does go both ways. Like when I'm, you know, so when I'm listening to people that are like, "Oh my God, it's in the store. The person didn't have a mask going on." You know, it's just like, yeah. oh, shut the fuck up." You know, it's like, one
1: person. Yeah. You know, chill out. It's certainly not worth starting a fist fight over. <laughs> right, right, right. And th- another thing I was thinking too is like
0: I'm in Georgia as. Far as I know, there is no government mandate around masks. Mm-hmm. So if I'm walk into somebody's business and they've sign, mask required, like as a voluntarist, I'm yes. putting on a mask. <laughs> like this is the way or it's used to work. Or you right, leave. Right. I do not have to go into this store. Uh so if I want to go to the store and the owner wants me to wear a mask, then I wear a mask. Like there's no, it's 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 actually the way. We want this thing to work. Um, right. That's the way it's supposed and to work. And that's
1: the thing is that like when it's something that like a lot of people don't find this to be that bad and are perfectly willing to do it. Well, that's like halfway to voluntarism, yeah. you know? <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. We're, yeah. We're halfway there. So um, do you want to talk about the other paper or the, did you mention that? Oh, you did. I'm sorry. Sorry. I, I had to yeah, one. Yeah. out. Right. The so, boat one.
1: Yeah. So, um, so so I mean that's basically all I have to say about it. It's it's very hard to be exact, but you know, it's there is some evidence for for the proposition that it yeah, would
0: help. Yeah, yeah. And it's pretty bad in the summer. I mean, I, I think people would care, yeah. wouldn't wouldn't mind so much in the winter because it would be yeah. almost, you know, kind of warmer on your face. You know, it's <laughs> like uh, uh, I'd wear a ski mask or something around. Um but in yeah. the summer it's it's pretty beasty.
1: Summer South, not so good. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I was actually got, uh, I was looking around, um, just kind of bummed. I was like weeding today and I grilled my lunch out uh, and and it was just like, oh, God, it's it's (laughs) beastly, you know, Um, and uh, I was, just started looking around at, at what's the best best weather in the uh, in the United States and I found this I swear this web this site was probably made in like 1998 it has a whole bunch of just random it, it's like straight html um then, and <laughs> he uh he did has one page i mean one page is like how to build uh like a pinewood derby car another was a list of good <laughs> good jokes and then uh, jokes. it was dude i mean it's like the old internet and then it that's yeah, it is yeah. he had a he had like a four paragraph little article on what's the best place to live in the united states and he had a he had a A map of the United States and a bunch of different weather arguments. And he was obviously, this was for his preferences, but his preferences were, you know, reasonable temperatures, um, lower, you know, lower humidity. And I forget. Oh, no. So his first thing off the list was natural disasters. So anywhere, it's like tornadoes, earthquakes, hurricanes, he's out. So yeah. removes the West Coast, removes the South, removes a lot of the you know, Midwest. Mm-hmm. And then he started doing like more of the weather analysis to his preference. And then he talked about like city size. Anyway, number one, I mean, I'll, I'll give you one <laughs> guess, but I feel like you could have a million. You know this city. This is not like a no, no name, nothing city, um, but it's not like, you know, like a city with millions of people and stuff. Um, but you'll, I don't know. I don't think you'll get it, but give you one guess.
1: One best guess. Sit, best uh, city getting, in America, getting,
0: Chicago. No, <laughs> Philly. No, Santa Fe, <laughs> New Mexico. Obviously. <laughs> okay. So little Surprise known. Surprise number one. Yeah, it, the weather there is awesome. I mean, the only issue okay. is that it's too cold in the uh, in the winter. It's uh, about the same highs as Philly um, with, in, in like January, which is cold. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. pretending that that's not cold. But for me, that's like the norm since I grew up there. Uh, but the lows are actually a good like eight degrees lower than Philly at night because it's sort of deserty. Um, but yeah, not a lot okay. of participation, uh, pre- precipitation. Uh, mild summers, you know, high in the low 80s in July. It's a big art uh, scene town low crime uh yeah anyway it's you, you, right. you can go work at los alamos and yeah. live in santa fe <laughs> right. i can just work remote now though except every yeah. house looks like some weird adobe thing I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh and they're all over the map as far as like the libertarians are concerned so um i i think kind of the fiscal nature i mean this is where gary johnson was governor right of new mexico yeah, new mexico that's right yeah i mean that's gotta say something right i mean it does it does that's pretty crazy um when i looked at how they voted they voted for hillary in 2016 and it was something like 48 percent hillary 40 percent trump Over 9% for Gary Johnson, which now that I look at it, it's because he was the governor. It wasn't. I was like, damn, there's like one out of 10 people's a libertarian, but that's not true. No, it's not that good. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's something said apparently they score very high on like personal liberty stuff, um, but the government's sort of fiscal policies and stuff are not very great. So overall, Mm. they really don't score high on like, you know, like the Free State Project and different. Um, groups will do like a ranking of U S states and Florida always scores very high on the freedom Mm -hmm. index, New Hampshire, which is where the free state project takes place. Um, anyway, random aside, but I'll probably wind up living in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, all right. At, at, you know, once I'm done with, with Atlanta, I don't think I'll be going back to the Northeast. Um, I think that someday (laughs) I'll be going, going West, you know, it's the a, West, there's a lot going man. for it. The weather, no natural <laughs> yes. disasters, sort of okay, freedom-wise. Um, what else do you want? Low crime?
1: Aliens. I mean, yeah. Nuclear bomb tests.
0: Dude, yeah. <laughs> All the cool stuff. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, I think um, maybe we it. wrap it up there. Yeah. Uh, I don't Sounds know if you have any. You, do you have some random, completely random aside do you Wanna inject uh, after no, the Santa no. Fe thing?
1: Plenty of stuff to talk about in the future. All right. we should talk about those aliens sometime. Yeah. Oh <laughs>
0: yes, I am very interested in that. I, and uh, I think I so they did have some like you know disclosure type stuff recently. And oh yeah, we well, don't no, no, We're gonna save it. We're gonna save yeah, it. Yeah. We're gonna save it. But it's not. Uh, well, Teaser. I had a lot of cold water poured poured me for that actually, okay. from some other you know alien experts and they really dug into do it so but i'm down de- <laughs> <laughs> i'm definitely down to talk about it and uh cool well that's it thanks for right. coming on again and uh we'll we'll hit you up next week see everybody <laughs>